from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta, welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Our first scripture reading comes from the Old Testament, from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. Listen for and hear the word of God. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You shall heed such a prophet. This is what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, If I hear the voice of the Lord my God any more or ever again see this great fire, I shall die. Then the Lord replied to me, They are right in what they have said. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their own people. I will put my words in the mouth of the prophet who shall speak to them everything that I command. Anyone who does not heed the words that the prophet shall speak in my name, I myself will hold accountable. But any prophet who speaks in the name of other gods or who presumes to speak in my name a word that I have not commanded the prophet to speak, that prophet shall die. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Miriam. Well read. Our gospel lesson this morning comes from Mark's gospel, the very first chapter, verses 21 through 28. Hear again God's word. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed. And they kept asking one another, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts bring glory to you. Prepare us now to follow in faith this day and always. Amen. Well, it might feel like longer, but it was just one month ago that we turned the page to a new year. We knew the world wouldn't be changed immediately when the clock struck midnight. We were finally out of the decade that was 2020. But still, there's something essential about claiming and marking a new moment in time. During the first few days of 2021, a group of my friends had a virtual chat about the new year. We didn't even know then what the rest of the month of January would bring. A surge in the coronavirus, a violent insurrection in our nation's capital, and more examples day after day of a culture in which everything seems to be contentious. At the time, this group was focused on what we hoped would be different about 2021. Instead of making New Year's resolutions in a traditional way, everyone was choosing a word for 2021 as a sort of guiding theme. I had never done this before, but maybe some of you have. The idea is that instead of pledging to do or not do something in the new year, like a resolution, you look back at the experience of the previous year and choose a word to bring you a new perspective. And this word is to be a focus for everything you do. I was amazed by the words people in this group chose. No one said they wanted to achieve anything in 2021. No one was talking about their jobs. No one named success. One friend chose the word courage because she's felt so much fear in the last 11 months. Another friend said equity He's been working to understand racial injustice, and he's holding himself accountable with this word for the role he has in creating a more equitable world. Someone said energy. She's tired of the mundanity of 300 and something groundhog days in a row. She's tired of worrying, of wondering when we'll be on the other side of the pandemic, She's tired of making decisions about what's safe for her family and then feeling like she has to be ready to defend those decisions at any moment. One person who happens to work in healthcare said hope. She's grieving the loss of people she knows and people she doesn't know to coronavirus. And she named her need to see something in the future besides illness and death. Several of my friends in this group chose the word truth for this new year. Putting politics aside for a minute, we live in a world where even an international health crisis has become a battleground. We're way past the dawn of alternative facts and fake news. It's now the norm to call our preferences truth. We know all about the echo chamber effect in our lives, but we still seek sources and friends who agree with us. And everything then can become an argument. How to stop the virus, vaccines, rollouts, what's best for kids in schools, elections, and leaders. I'm sorry to say that we're even in a fight 
not just about how to pursue racial justice, but whether our society needs to, whether we're even a place of injustice, is now argued. In this time, we crave truth, capital T. I chose the word clarity because so much about daily life has shifted. I long for clarity about what I should do in lots of parts of my life, caring for our parents and our kids, how to be faithful in situations no one has ever faced before, and how to be a good neighbor. An interesting thing happened as people added their words. Every person's word resonated with every other person in the group. It was like we were naming this collective experience we'd all shared, and we'd just broken it up into parts. Someone said something about the wildness of 2020, but as I listened, I heard us describing a wilderness experience. We long for courage, equity, energy, hope, clarity, and truth because we have felt chaos around us, and we're longing for order. For Christians, that order comes from God. It is God's authority that can break through and overcome chaos and any competing claim. And that authority can come to us even in the wilderness. There are a number of wilderness stories in the Bible. God's people and even Jesus Christ find themselves in chaotic and dangerous places. God's people have felt weary and lost, uncertain about where to go and what to do and when it would end. They have fought with each other in those times and tried to find easy ways out. And in the wilderness, when there is chaos, false prophets, false gods, and false authorities will try to claim us, even using lies to get power. And if we're honest, God's people have sometimes listened to those voices that are not God. In fact, both of our scriptures for this morning have wilderness experiences as their backdrop. And they are both about God breaking into our wilderness with authority over our lives and this world. In the text from Deuteronomy that Miriam just read so well, the Israelites are facing a future without Moses, who has been their leader and God's prophet. It was Moses who brought them God's law and God's covenant. He has been with them on their journey from slavery in Egypt to liberation by God and then through their long wilderness wandering toward the promised land. It hasn't always been a great outcome in this journey. They've been tempted, tempted to give up the work, tempted to stop walking, tempted to believe that God's promise wasn't real or that it was just too far away to be worth it. And here, God's people face a transition without the prophet they've trusted and they long for clarity. They long for order, just as I have in this disordered year. The Israelites understandably are concerned about how they will recognize a prophet or a word that is from God. 
After all, they've already given in to temptation. They've put their trust in false gods and they've worshiped idols. So Moses cautions them not to listen to every voice they hear. He tells them that God still raises up prophets and God gives them words to speak. But they have to be careful because not everyone speaks for God. God's prophets will not be the ones clamoring for microphones and saying that they are God's representatives. They will not demand trust in any personality or political power or possession. Moses reminds the Israelites of how God's authority looks. And in Mark's gospel, the text I read just a few minutes ago, we see God's authority in action. Now, a lot happens in the very first compact bit of Mark's gospel. So I want to put this morning's reading into context and quickly review what came before it. Mark feels like a gospel consistent with the tone of our time. It's urgent and restless. There isn't much background in this gospel. There aren't flourishes of language. It's like every sentence packs a punch and propels us forward. And in Mark's gospel, Jesus is a man on a mission, on the move. So at the very beginning of Mark's gospel, we read it just a couple of weeks ago, we meet John the Baptist, and he is in the wilderness. Just as the prophet Isaiah foretold, he is a voice crying out, calling for people to repent so that they can be forgiven by the coming Savior. We read just a few weeks ago about Jesus being baptized by John in the River Jordan and blessed by God, who calls him beloved. Jesus is then driven into the wilderness himself. And for 40 days, he withstands testing, living with wild animals, and being cared for by ministering angels sent by God. Jesus came out of his wilderness and immediately went about his ministry. So here we have more wilderness experiences. And when we look at them together, they're helpful and hopeful for us in our uncertain times, uncertain times that have no foreseeable end. If we look at these wildernesses, we're reminded that God is present even in the wilderness. God does not leave us alone. We remember that eventually wilderness journeys come to an end. And we see that after wilderness comes something new, new life, new faith, new covenant, new ministry. We don't go backward into wilderness but trust in God to go through it, just as Jesus did. Then in last week's reading from Mark, Jesus called his first four disciples, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, who left their fishing jobs immediately to follow this prophet who preached that the kingdom of God was near. This morning, we pick it up with the next verse. I told you, Mark is just one thing after another. And this morning, we see Jesus and his new small group of four go to the synagogue in Capernaum, where Jesus begins to teach. The gospel writer doesn't tell us what Jesus said. His emphasis is on the fact that the people who heard him were amazed and astounded 
because Jesus taught as one with authority, not as the scribes had been teaching them. This is a theme throughout Mark's gospel. People who hear Jesus struggle to recognize him and to understand his urgent message and to know who he is. So the gospel writer repeatedly tells us that no matter what other voices claim authority, Jesus is the one with authority. Jesus is truth made flesh. In this scene, we see that authority in action over and against two kinds of competing authorities. The first is that Jesus' teaching is in direct contrast to what the scribes have been teaching. Now, scribes were an authority of a kind. They were temple teachers, and it was their job to convey the scriptures and to preserve tradition. But Mark's gospel emphasizes that Jesus is bringing a new teaching, and unlike the scribes, he has authority. So Jesus didn't come to repeat old messages or to elevate tradition or to preserve the status quo. Jesus has come out of the chaos of wilderness proclaiming a new world order, the kingdom of God that will flip the powers of empire on their heads and liberate the oppressed. Well, everyone who hears him is amazed and inspired because what he is saying is different, and he comes with authority. This word keeps coming up so that we know who this Jesus is. Authority here seems to have two meanings. It seems to mean both permission and power. So remember that Moses cautioned the Israelites to listen only to a prophet sent by God, only a prophet who had permission to speak God's word. Here we see the Savior sent by God, sent to speak truth to the world. And Jesus also has power. In this scene, he turns from teaching to healing in the synagogue. The gospel says that just then there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebukes this spirit tells it to be silent, drives it out of the man, and the unclean spirit fights it, convulsing and crying out. The scene might make us uncomfortable, so we don't quite know what to make of an unclean spirit and a person who walks into a church, a spirit that recognizes who Jesus is and calls him the Holy One, a spirit that fights against Jesus' power, a spirit that doesn't want to be removed from the person it controls. Over time, there have been many problematic and troubling interpretations of what an unclean spirit is here. It has been characterized as a demon. It has been used to stigmatize physical and mental illness and to shun people or to subject them to all kinds of humiliation. It's been interpreted as physical uncleanliness and moral depravity. But we can put aside those dehumanizing interpretations. We know that illness is a medical issue. We know that God does not love you more if you just took a shower 
And this scene is not a demon invasion out of science fiction or fantasy. But we also know that there are forces that take root in us, in individuals and in communities, forces that are not of God. Whatever it is that is inside this man who enters the synagogue, it is denying him his voice. It is seeking to control him, not to liberate him as Jesus will. It's estranging him from community and even from himself. We don't have to look for cartoonish demons here because we know that forces take hold in us too. They can take a lot of different forms, and I, I won't list them, these destructive things that separate us from God, but I will offer some stories that might help us to search for what has a hold on us this day. I think back to the temptations Jesus faced in the wilderness, empty promises of easy ways out. I think of the wilderness journey of the Israelites from slavery to a promised land, I think of how they turned on each other, how they trusted in false gods, how they wanted to be justified in their choices. I think of this country and the discourse we've all heard in the last year, full of name-calling and blame. I think of racial hatred that still holds fast and does not want to be driven out of hearts and minds. I think of the ways so many have tried to cope with the uncertainty and fear of this pandemic time, some healthy and some unhealthy ways. I think of the powerful hold of addiction and the trauma of abuse. There are so many forces that keep us apart from God and each other that tell us that we're not beloved, that wear us down and hold tightly to us. And sometimes, especially when we feel like we're wandering in the wilderness, we give these things authority. But friends, Jesus is one with authority over all forces that are not holy. Jesus has come to liberate us from them, just as he healed this man in the synagogue in Capernaum so long ago. The people who saw it were amazed they said, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even unclean spirits and they obey him. We are living through a time that often feels like it is just too much to carry. Too much illness, fear, grief, hate, uncertainty, and noise masquerading as truth all at once. I can't say, wish I could, but I can't say when the pandemic will be contained. I can't say when we'll finally live into God's vision for the world being reconciled and just. I don't know how long we'll have to keep walking this particular path. And if you don't find yourself in a hard or chaotic space today, maybe this is a call to you to be light and hope for someone who is in such a space. But friends, if you do find yourself in a kind of wilderness this morning, there is good, life-giving news for the journey. God 
is with us on it. God came with authority and power to heal us from all the forces that hold us. God came to save us and to right this world. And God is still at work. Through even this wilderness, God is making all things new, even us. Thanks be to God. Amen.